0: Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Anshad.net. Early Childhood Education, an interview with Celine Govern. As many listeners will know, at this time of recording, which is the summer of 2022, early childhood education has been in the media, mainly because of the rising costs of the service for families, but also a chronic shortage of staff um, and many classes not being able to open. Um, OnShot.net is obviously interested in in uh, the world of primary education but before children come to us they obviously have a few years of preschool and I was interested in how the two of them link. I've often argued that um, the infant's uh, education should become part of preschool rather than primary school. And um, I was interested in maybe the thoughts of somebody or some people around this area in early childhood education and to learn a little more about the sector and how it works. I was lucky to be joined by Celine Govern who is a early childhood educator uh, provider and uh, is also a secondary school teacher and a podcaster so very interested to hear about those I hope you'll enjoy this chat that I've had with Celine, where we talk about the early childhood sector, the links between preschool, primary school, and even secondary school, and lots more to do with early childhood education. And obviously at the very end, like everyone else, Celine shares with us what she would do if she were the Minister for Education. Hello hello, you are welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Anshad.net, this is Simon Lewis. Um, as you may have been uh, listening in the media for the last little while there's been a lot of talk about early childhood education, the cost of it, how it works and so on and I kind of thought it might be a good idea to chat to someone who actually provides uh, early childhood education so I'm really really happy uh, this week to be joined by Celine Govern who is an early years provider but also a podcaster Uh, so we'll be talking about uh, both of those uh, things as well as that Celine is A secondary school teacher and actually teaches um, a a leaving cert applied course in uh, early childhood education. Or uh, and I'd be really interested in hearing about that. So we might talk uh, on lots and lots of uh, different areas. So it's fantastic to meet you and thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks, Simon. Absolutely delighted that you asked me on and that you allow me to speak about my passions freely without having to <laughs> say, sorry, I'm talking too much again. But um, yeah, no, I'm delighted to come in and talk and I think it'll be a really interesting conversation.
0: Absolutely, and and I'm and, and looking forward to it. So I always start off with, a, with the first question anybody asks someone in an interview, but it's not an interview, but uh, you might tell us a little bit about yourself and how you um, have gotten into the area of early childhood education, but also second level and even the world of podcasting.
1: Yeah, yeah, so... Um, not a traditional route at all. So, um, yeah, I, I would have gone to school. I grew up in Dublin and went to school in Colos de Brie where I now teach, and uh, left 19, did my Leaving Cert in 1990 and took the traditional route that most of us were taking, which was secretarial courses and into um, administration office work. So for 10 years or so, I worked in insurance, basically, for mm. some of the big Irish insurance companies. And coming up then to I suppose I got married and, and, and had um my eldest and he started his early years preschool journey. Um and I, I think I just we moved house at the same time and the house that we moved, we moved from rural Ireland into a village, onto the main street of a village, and a very old big house with very old big stables. And I was looking at what, what my son was was experiencing in the early years sector, and it was as easy as it was as simple as kind of saying, "God, I like that." You know that that interests me, and I suppose for the first time, I found something that actually I was passionate about, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. I didn't feel like that about insurance, do you know. <laughs> so yeah, so um, it was I started to investigate it and to see was this something that I could do, and it turned out it was so. We um, over the course of two years, and two further babies, um, I demolished the stables and rebuilt, and so I I, I built a purpose built school, wow. um, and that opened twenty years ago this September. So wow. went into it very very green. It was only after I decided to do this that I thought I better get a qualification. <laughs> so I did, and I got what was then the equivalent of a level five. It was the mm. old NCV, NC, NCVA level two, um, which was then converted into level five. So and off we went, wow. um, myself and another teacher who was still with me and still still works with me. She's now my manager, and or our manager. It's not you know, <laughs> I yeah. don't feel like it's mine as such. It's a community, um. You know, it is. I, I own it, I suppose, but I don't feel that type of personal ownership on it. Um, so yeah, so she's still with me and we have grown and built on another room since and all became highly qualified and experienced and 20 years on, I'm still here. In the meantime,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the middle of all of this, as you will find out very quick if you work in the sector, it's extremely difficult to make a living in the sector extremely yeah. difficult especially when you are operating a preschool sure. so i decided i wanted to um become a teacher I, you know god forgive me but like a, a proper teacher which, oh was, what people thought, <laughs> which
0: yeah. was what was
1: what 15 years ago was uh, to my to my eternal shame i know mm. i thought that and people always say to me, but why did you go secondary school and not primary school? And I suppose the reason is at the time I was doing a huge amount of volunteering with teenagers um, in the Girl Guides of Ireland and mm. also in the um, marching youth band sector. So okay. I was working with an awful lot of teenagers from Tala, where right. I was originally from, and I just loved it. And I also loved history. And I, you know, so I wanted to be a history teacher. So I went back and I'm a Matter Day graduate. I graduated in 2011.
0: Very good.
1: Um, so I juggled all of these things at the same time while commuting wow. to Dublin. Um, and that lady who I spoke about kind of held the fort during wow. during all of that. And then I managed it all from a distance. So, yeah, I'm back in de Breathe. I job share. And my subjects are religion and history. And I also teach all of the childcare on the LCA fantastic. program, which is fabulous. That's
0: so fantastic.
1: that's how I am... Doing a mad variety of things, really.
0: You're very busy, uh, which is
1: yeah, extremely, extremely,
0: is, yeah, very, very yeah. busy. One of the things that when we were talking before, um, we, we were talking, we we actually started talking on Twitter, uh, as mm. as where all good conversations begin, I would, uh, uh-huh. I would argue. <laughs> uh, but you you mentioned, which I thought was really interesting, that um, in your in your own um, preschool, you're, um, you don't you don't uh, you haven't adopted a particular model. Of uh, childcare, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum was a, a, a ran a preschool with her with her friends in the in the early nineties, uh, when I don't think the 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 industry was very well developed. But I don't think they would have even known what a model was. They they were looking after children. They were playing, and and that's essentially what they were doing. Um, but I assume given that you have the knowledge of the of the area much more than my my mum would have done. Firstly, like what what models are there? Um, in in preschool, I mean, w- many people listening to this will know about primary school and the differences between primary schools and even secondary schools. But y- y- people have heard of Montessori, um, they'll have heard of um, you know, uh, potentially other models. Uh, but what 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 models are there? And then why did you decide not to, uh, choose one?
1: Yeah, um, there there are any amount of models, um. I'd say there are hundreds if not more models throughout the world and some of them will be very regional and um, they will have been developed because of the context of a particular environment, etc. But some of the ones that we're most familiar with, of course, Montessori is there and certainly in the early 1990s there were, even though you're... Although your mum didn't, but there were St. Nicholas Montessori College in Dunleary, I think, mm. would have been there. And there were people who were specialising in Montessori, and it would have been the most popular one back then. But then there's also, you know, Frebel, and and um, the degree in Maynooth, actually, in early years education, is considered a Frebel degree. Mm. You've got um, Steiner as well, High Scope, which kind of came out of America, I think, the Forest School approach now, mm. which, of course, is is very common in other countries and is becoming more common in Ireland. Mm. And one, I suppose if I was to say, you know, if somebody was to pin me down <laughs> and say, you know, give us an approach. And sometimes actually we get this when we're answering questionnaires for the department. You know, they insist that you give them a model. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I suppose I would go with the Reggio Emilia model if I'm pushed to the pin of my collar. But I did a podcast on this recently with Paula Walsh, who I podcast with. And um, it it, it stemmed from a conversation that I had with my son, who is currently going through the level five. Mm. And I would be very resistant to a lot of the models in their entirety. But I'm very open to elements from all models. So he would come home each week and say, Yeah, I think we're doing an awful lot of Montessori. I'd say go away out of that. No, we're not. (laughs) Absolutely not. And then he'd say we're doing a lot of Frebel, and I'd be like, Well, I can see there's a bit of Frebel there, all right, and you know, and it really. And then he said, which I thought was genius. Why are would any school align themselves to one model Mm. when they have twenty two different individuals in the one room? Yeah. Surely, what we should be doing. Is knowing and understanding all of the models and a, a, adapting a model mm. depending on the child or the children in the classroom. So uh-huh. he was saying every classroom should have every model, or else how is it working? Wow! You know? So we did a whole podcast on this because I was just blown away by the whole thing.
0: Wow! And but while 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 we while we were talking about your podcast, where can people find that podcast? I'll be asking this at the end as well, but uh, yeah. now this in my yeah. mind.
1: So through our myself and Paula Walsh, who is the digital educator, Paula um, has years' experience in the early years sector as well. Actually, in an outdoor school, and she now lectures. And actually, she's starting her PhD in um, in September, which is wonderful. So we are on Twitter under um, ECE Quality Ireland, and our podcast is also available on Podbean. But you'll find the link for it on our Twitter page,
0: Brilliant. and you can go
1: via me either on my Twitter page or Instagram page. But we'll put all them up at the end.
0: Fantastic. So
1: yeah, so so look at different people align themselves to different models, and then some people align themselves to no model apart from a play based model, which is what I do. And I suppose that's it was it was the emphasis on play, and I su- is the reason why I didn't align myself to one particular model as such. Mm. I suppose when you watch children and you observe children, um, you you really can see the benefit of play. And you can see this in your own home or in mm. the playground. But, you know, when you're observing in, in the early years, the importance of play mm. uh, to a child's development is just so apparent, you know. Yes. And I don't like anything that takes children away from their play. I don't like anything that disturbs a child's play. Mm. I don't like anything that's so teacher-led or or teacher-led at all that says, you know, I'm delighted you played with that for five minutes, but now you have to stop because I, as the adult, have decided that it's it's circle time.
0: Yes, yes.
1: You know, so I suppose I am just, maybe I'm I'm a bit of a rebel. And I know in the early days when we used to have the old HSE inspections, which are now TUSLA inspections, they would have fought with me a little bit over this, you know. Okay. And why are you not doing Montessori, or, or you know, would you not, or you know? And I, I, it actually was written on a report. Interesting. And yeah, and I really fought hard, and I said, well, because I, first of all, you know, they're not, they're not me, mm. you know. You're asking me to 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 teach something that I fundamentally disagree with, mm. um, and I don't think it's developmentally appropriate for our children now you know, what I do, which is what I've always done in my earlier setting is up there on a pedestal. Yes. That's practice. So yes. maybe I was just ahead of my time. You're I don't totally know. Ahead
0: of your time. And do, don't you think, know. Um, do you think, do you think that there's, we, we, we do this at primary level, that we sort of align ourselves to a uh, model? And, do, and maybe maybe that happens, you know, I, I can't speak outside of my own sector, but it does that seem to be where the pressure is coming from rather than it being a good idea you know sometimes it's actually okay yeah, not to definitely. have to align and
1: there's societal pressure there as well isn't there you know so mm. you know over the years i would have had people who um you know came to me sent their child to me for year one and then took them from me and sent them to a montessori for year two
0: mm.
1: you know and I've you as a that. professional know exactly what's going on in that montessori <laughs> um for forever well, god almighty montessori teachers are going to go mental i don't mean <laughs> on the i'm just using it as an example yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah send them to another type of model because for some reason they feel that that's superior yes. and that's all societal pressure
0: yeah yeah you know, well I, superior, I get that.
1: In that classroom for a year and can see what's going on do you know what i mean so a lot of that is societal pressure but we do lo- align ourselves to approach and uh, the problem for me is that if you, and we know best practice is to have a child-led approach, if it, yeah. the adult in the room aligns themselves to one approach, then they are telling their staff and their teachers that this is the approach, and mm. then they are telling their ch- children that this is the approach. And I don't see how that's child-led.
0: Yeah, that that, that makes a lot of sense. I, it's it's funny, the the fashions almost, that, that, to change, like at the moment, uh, forest, uh, the forest approach is a, yeah. is, is, a, is a fashionable thing, possibly because... You know all the uh, tech giants are sending all their preschoolers, or you know that kind of stuff. Yes. But uh, anyway, yeah, I could. I'm falling out now with all the people sending their kids to far. So we both, we both. Yeah, which uh, basically, and,
1: means you go outside.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I know, I know. It's funny, uh, but don't tell them that. It's it's far superior. Yeah. Well, um, you know what? Yeah.
1: We're all doing the same thing, and we all want what's best for children.
0: Exactly. And,
1: you know, we're outside all the time, and I have a wonderful outdoor setting. And and you know, I suppose, and I take. You know, I'm also a lot of forest. We do an awful lot of forest school, we, 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 you know, and I do an awful lot of research and, and I take mm-hmm. an awful lot of what they do. So again, it's like, you know, I definitely do Montessori for the children who thrive on that. I yes. definitely do forest for the children who, who thrive on that. I definitely have Frebel's kindergarten for the yeah. children who thrive on that. And in fact, they can cross models constantly mm-hmm. all day. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's my model. What's your model, Celine? My model is all of the models.
0: Very good, and I mean, with with the thing that ties that all together is is play, as you were saying, is not yes. it? And one of the things I suppose in the IRA in the primary sector right now is that uh, finally, uh, I, I I suppose that um, at primary level we're recognising that play is central to infant education and and and, and rightly so, mm-hmm. and we've taken and and ten years ago I think it's ten years ago that Astor was born. 2009, yeah. It's a two thousand nine. So it's mm. gosh, it's more. No, oh, and I yeah. remember. Um, I remember that was released. It sounded really exciting, and then the teachers took it and ruined it. As far as I could see, I don't. I mean, when I say the teachers, I don't mean uh, as people on the ground particularly. Yeah. But the, the by the time it filtered to teachers, it had just been ripped apart. You know that there was these things like this is only an hour a day, or this is you know this kind of stuff, and it is. It really um I know it really annoyed uh the um Noreen McLaughlin, I think who who found Hayes. who who Nore- Hayes, 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 yeah. Who um sorry, uh whoever Noreen McLaughlin is, I, I wasn't I was not wrongly name checking but Noreen Hayes. I know that really annoyed her too. Yeah. Like what 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 do you think of Ashtra now fifteen years later? Is it is it worth the is it worth anything? Or is it just yeah. do we need to rip it up yeah. and start well, again? Yeah,
1: as you said, Ashtra was was launched in 2009 by the NCCA, which is the National Council for Curriculum and Assessment. And it was launched, and Noreen Hayes was heavily involved, who is a genius, mm. and really understands the sector really comprehensively well. Yeah. Um, so there is nothing wrong with the Ashter framework. And the Ash- Ashter is not a curriculum. Ashter is a framework. Yes. That everything else can slot into. Mm. The delivery of it and how it was rolled out was appalling across mm. the early years and primary school sector. Okay. I had one training session on it. I was brought to the Art Boyne Hotel in Navan, where the poor divils who were delivering it knew less than I did. Yeah. Um. They didn't, you know, we came away from it and I was meant to go back and deliver this then to my staff. And it just was really Really, really poorly done. Now, Ashton now is undergoing review. Mm. So the whole thing is now being reassessed. Yeah, there are... And I think I've listened to your podcast on this um, some time ago. And you made the point that it, it appears that preschools um, have embraced it um better I suppose is Mm. better the word more appropriately than primary schools and of course there's lots of reasons for that primary schools are burdened Mm. with their curriculum you know did somebody say 11 subjects yeah yeah for infants lord above (laughs) you know know. and then I thought about it today and I thought god I was going 11 and then I thought but sure we're doing 11 subjects
0: okay when I think about it I just don't
1: find the time I don't timetable it all out. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Do I touch English, Irish, Maths, History, Geography, Science, Art, Home Ec? Of course I do. Of yeah. course I do. All within the Ashtar framework. I often hear, and as you said in, in in primary school, the phrase, when in the day, this is all on Instagram, you know, people asking other people questions. When do you do Ashtur? Yeah. During the day you know, how long do you do Ashtar for? Mm. What do you do in Ashtar? And I want to scream and say, if you're doing <laughs> Ashtar, you're, 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 you have lost. You're wrong. Stop, step yeah. back.
0: Yeah. yeah. And ask I somebody
1: who, 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 who incorporates Ashtar and links it in. And there are amazing primary school infant teachers who are doing this and are so, um, willing to help. Ashtar in action on, on, on Instagram and Dee, um, I think she's Playful Classroom, amazing work mm. going on where Ashtar is being used correctly.
0: But, yeah.
1: And when I speak to, to, to some of the primary school teachers and I say, what do you mean you're doing it for an hour or you're doing it for half an hour? You know, their classrooms aren't set up for this. No. That's the reality. You know, there's you shouldn't have to leave your classroom to go into an Ashtar classroom.
0: Exactly. Then you're doing
1: it, aren't you? It's like going Absolutely. to PE. It's just yeah, subject.
0: going to PE or going to the computer room, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you know there are lots of barriers there. I was at the NCN conference a couple of months ago, with National Childhood Network, and the the two of the ladies, they were ladies who are involved in the Asher Review, were there, and it was it it was wonderful to hear the amazing work that's been going on. And one of the things that they said they feel was really and really important is that there is cross Sector in service training should be offered for preschool teachers and infant teachers
0: mm.
1: in terms of Ashtar okay. so that we can communicate and work together and that there is an easier transition. You okay. know, the problem with that, of course, is that when you're in the early years sector, there's no funding for in service training. Mm. You know, you can't get time off, you have to do it in your own time, which they do. Would you mean the preschool teachers can say, Well, I can do it at six o'clock at night? And You know, those of us in the public sector are going, you must be joking.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I (laughs) know. You know,
1: so there is, of course, all those barriers again that need to be met. But yeah, Ashter is a good framework. There's nothing wrong with it. It's going through a review because it's so old now and and Mm. you have to keep reviewing things and changing it. The implementation of it has been appalling. Yeah. Not just in the primary school sector. There are certainly still, I would say, earlier years classrooms that still struggle with it.
0: Okay. Okay. That's, that's interesting to know. I mean, I, Um, I felt, um, yeah, I just, I I was so annoyed when it, when it came into, uh, because I remember the, I I think it was a victim of, of, of the recession in some ways, the training, because we were absolutely, there was no way they were going to be able to uh, roll it out properly in terms of professional development. So it nearly became a drip feeding sort of thing that, People like me got a got an hour's talk at a at a conference, and then I was to then drip feed that back to my staff with no knowledge of, of, of early child properly. I mean, proper um, um, education. But yeah, and I think it was no surprise that you know, and I and I mean, this, it's not the only thing that uh, that happens. I'm assume I again, it's it's not just a, a primary school thing that an idea comes or a theory comes or a, a something comes in or a framework comes in, and then teachers. Rather than adopt it, adapt it, um, nice. and sometimes it gets adapted very badly. I think Asher was possibly the most extreme uh, that I've I've ever experienced, and yeah. I, some of it I, I in fairness, I put down to the fact that CPD was just non-existent because nobody there was no money, and really everyone had to kind of just figure it out for themselves, and it was almost like by consensus it became a subject, which was, you know, and then once it was there, that was the end of it really. As far as it becomes it's now like station teaching now which is ama- it's amazing I see it going to the gym. Um, what's that
1: like going to the gym and you go around yeah. the stations
0: exactly and children go to this place on a Monday this place on a Tuesday so it's it's no longer play based it's uh, no of course
1: it's not yeah I mean, and they're also they're also not making their own decisions I mean what happens if the child for example got really engrossed in the game on the Monday in yeah. home corner, for example
0: yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: and they thought about that all night yeah. all night and they went home and they spoke to their parents about it. And this is what I was doing. And I was playing with little John and we were making a cake. And they thought about it. And then they go in the next day and they're not allowed to continue that learning because now you're a vet. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know,
1: or, whatever, or whatever it is. And I, I do think practically the C- CPD has to be undertaken with junior and senior infant teachers in terms of how children learn through play. And, yeah, you know, it is a very specialized area. Mm. And, you know, I, I also have a degree in early childhood education. So, yes. you know, I understand how children learn. And I think the practicalities of, well, how do I teach a maths concept mm. through the framework of Ashton?
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And, you know, there are numerous ways to teach a maths concept. They don't have to be sitting at a table on a chair looking at a whiteboard. and you know and and we're into teacher exposition then you know of course they can learn those concepts but if 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 teachers are coming out of college or teachers have been out of college for a long time and they've never been shown practically Mm. how to do that and what are the strategies and what are the resources and how can i actually do this uh, you know well then there it's going to continue we're going to continue teaching toddlers exactly toddlers is what they are as far as I'm concerned yeah
0: and it's really interesting that you give maths as the example because I I've, I've been interested uh, if I've been talking to teachers about the infant the early early uh, um maths curriculum in infant and there's again a bit of a consensus uh, I, I mean I'm only talking about people I've, I I'm really speaking to um, that it's too easy um and we should be pushing the children harder on it and I I I it's it's it, and I I I didn't really think about it too much until you just mm-hmm. mentioned that, but the thing is the re, there's a reason why it's at a at a particular level because we we need to be in order to get a good foundation in early mathematical activities and things like that, you need to do it's not about teaching it actually it's the children have to discover it right and through play, and get and uh, and that's why you're not going beyond let's say the number ten or you're doing so much sorting and matching and all the rest of it all those really important skills because if you don't do enough of that and, and discover it and play and all through play when you come to actually formal mathematical education you, if you don't have the foundation it's like building a house you, you know it's going f- it, to you're, you're going to be a definite disadvantage and you're um, so yeah I, I don't know maybe I'm talking nonsense there but I, I it, that's that's um, no, I mean I think the scaffolding
1: one. is so important isn't it mm. and you know I, I don't know much about Ju- I'm not going to pretend I know anything really about the primary school curriculum, you know, but in terms of maths and junior infants, you know, is it a defined thing? They have to know A, B and C or one, two and three by the end of junior infants. Like, is that very clearly defined? Are teachers under that mm-hmm. pressure?
0: I, I would think so. I mean, I think there's a couple of problems there, like primary schools are, are still very heavily book dependent. And um, and that's, uh, you know, obviously flies in the face of for me anyway of of, of any early uh, education but as well as that yeah the curriculum up to uh, you know in infant level does have you know this early mathematical activities but that's only like a bit of the maths curriculum yeah. now, I know it's going to change in 2026 but will our mindsets change before 2026 I don't think so Um, and I guess you know maths is a worrying one really I think I mean there's a lot every is worrying in its own way yeah but the, but given the the importance of mathematics let's say for and how we use mathematics in this century rather than the last couple of centuries uh, you know it, it has to be more based on Real things yeah. rather than these yeah. abstract concepts that nobody really yeah. cares about. Um, so I I don't know. However, on the other side of things, because I'm going to move to yeah. to your other job, the the secondary yeah. school job. Secondary mm-hmm. school teachers are always given out to us about maths that we don't teach them well enough. <laughs> and, you but,
1: don't teach maths. <laughs> I know you
0: don't. But it gives me a good segue into getting you into into your, mm-hmm. wearing your secondary school hat. But mm-hmm. I'm really interested in the fact, and the question's in two parts. What I'm I'm in primary school, and you're sort of sandwiched between your two levels of expertise, and I'm I'm always fascinated by the links between them because I think they're they're very badly linked. And just um, but as a so from both from two sides, as an early years person, what do you think primary schools should do better that we can link uh, that we can get the links better between uh, preschool and primary and then on the other side of it what could we do better at primary in order to i i I always joke and say we we survive secondary school really but you're a secondary school teacher so i'm going to be nice and say well what could we do better in primary school to kind of get to secondary school in a in a in a a, a good way or are we doing things right i don't know
1: yeah i mean transitions are very important and and they're important every day but then those huge transitions between the different sectors Mm. you know and you know, you often see a huge amount of anxiety and stress when children realise that they have to, and this, that they have to move, you know, and that they have mm. to leave where they feel safe and secure. And that's, that happens between pri- preschool and primary, and also between primary and, and secondary. Not for all children, some mm. children transition seamlessly, yeah. but you know, a lot of children don't. And mm. are there things that we can do? Absolutely. I do worry about the schoolification of children.
0: Okay.
1: Um I do worry that you know in the in in the prime in the sorry in the preschool sector that there is still a belief amongst certain um preschool teachers and primary school teachers that we should be getting them ready mm. for school. And no we should not.
0: Yes. Good. We should
1: absolutely not be getting children. It is not the children's job to be ready for the next Stage of education.
0: Mm. It is
1: their job to be ready for the children. Yes. And I believe that we need to meet the children where they are at, at their stage of development. Not where we believe their stage of development should be, but Mm. where it truly is. And, you know, I don't mind saying that in 20 years, I have never had a primary school teacher contact me and say, Can I come in and visit the children? Really? You are coming to me. The expectation is that I will bring them to them.
0: Wow, I th- I'm thought i surprised because we do the and opposite. That's where a I
1: am. huge amount of organisation, yeah, for me to get twenty children ready to parade up the road, do you Absolutely, know, yeah. or if they're going to schools outside of you know where you have to go, you know. So I've kind of put the foot down a little bit with it. Yeah, I am. Mo- I would be over the moon. Mm. To welcome in a, an infant teacher, to come in and see them in their environment. And let yeah. the children show the teacher what they do, where yeah. they like to play, how they learn, mm. you know, what the environment structurally looks like, feels like, smells like,
0: yeah. you know, mm. how
1: it works. Yes. And only then, I think, can the junior infant teacher really have a feel for what they are getting in in September. Because they're, they're coming in in September, and I think sometimes there is an expectation, you know, that they're just going to come in and that they're going to understand how it all works. Yeah. You know, and in the first week, it's not working. Sure, we're not surprised.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, of course it isn't.
1: You know? Yeah, and, you know, so I think that's the first thing. I think that that we really need to see the children And listen to their voice in terms of where they are, not where we need them to be. Mm. But I think that kind of carries on a little bit then. And it's exactly the same thing, isn't it? Mm. It's all about where are they, not where I want them to be in first year. I haven't been a first year tutor in quite a while. It's probably six years ago because it takes you follow with them. Sure. Um, Yeah, and you know they come in and we just now I have to say some secondary schools do this really really well and we are mm. one of those schools who do it really really well yeah and there's a whole transition program you mm. know and there's lots of mentoring with ty students who meet them and bring them everywhere and mm. you know they've mentoring groups and lunchtime groups and all that and that goes on all year actually the lunchtime yeah group, yeah where they can go in if they have a difficulty with a concept and you Know some of the older students who are really good at something, so I think bringing the older children into that journey, you know, to bring them in, but yeah, I do think that first year tutors need to make that journey into the primary school classroom,
0: yeah. And I, I in fairness, I think, uh, well, I mean, again, I, I don't know uh, about the around Ireland, but certainly in Carlo, I know the secondary schools here all visit the primary schools oh, in no. the last few years and they have proper. Uh, Structure transition programs and things that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing I don't like in primary level uh, that I hear, um, and I'm always trying to, uh, I, I, it kind of irks on me, is the, the whole idea is similar to you there, and is getting ready for secondary. So, like, giving him loads of homework for some reason or nice. you know or being meaner to them for some <laughs> do you know you wouldn't get away with that in secondary school now you know put out put your hood down in
1: secondary school <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you're kind of setting us up to be really hard and really you know and we're really not like i mean i'm no it's all about relationships i do Isn't not it? treat any secondary school dear, child child teenager differently than i treat my preschool children or my work colleagues or my own children or my friends. Yeah. You know, be kind, be respectful. It's it's very much about relationships, isn't it? Yeah.
0: And I, actually, to be honest, I think primary schools have gone through a very similar change to secondary schools as I assume all of society has gone through that actually, you know, the school that we might have experienced as children is not the same school uh, anymore. It is about relationships and I think yeah. all, all all sectors have embraced that and, you um, you know, I think I think maybe sometimes we project what we experience. Maybe the twentieth century way of teaching at second level—you were afraid of your teacher, all the rest of the, you know, that that traditional structure—and that's just it is gone. I mean, I I I I I've, I have never seen it um, any time I've walked into a secondary school um, in in the last decade or two. Anyway, where you have that, where I, I remember going to my my secondary school to give a, I think I was there was some one of the teachers was retiring that taught me, and I was so struck by the positivity yeah. that now it was never a negative place for me but it, but the deli- how it's it, it changed completely uh, in terms of even the smell of the place you know as I, 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 you know that, that kind of thing it's it was yeah. astounding yeah, yeah and, and, and
1: definitely and do you know what it does it does strike me as we're talking I know certainly in the secondary school that I teach you know at, we're all basically ladies you know what I mean and women and nice and we just kind of It's just all like, I I can't even explain it. It doesn't feel like a really structured school setting. We're just a Mm. whole load of women, Mm. you know, in there to do a job. And you've got a job, whether you're a teacher or a student or, you know, and we all treat each other with respect. And, you know, and it does strike me that, as you say, in the secondary school um, sector... We have become much more um, understanding of how the young adult, the teenager, mm. um, processes things and how they develop, and we're much less structured. And I wonder, is the primary school still very structured in terms of you must line up? And I mean, I know a primary school where they still have to wear slippers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's less common now. I mean, I think I we you know the. It, it, it I think every I think every sector has loosened up uh, and and is more about relationships than, than, yeah. than these yeah I mean you'll get these outliers where yeah of you hear course. that and kids have to line up and put their fingers on their lips for their line you know that kind of nonsense I mean that I, I, I don't think I've seen that in for, a, for for a while and um, you know yeah
1: and isn't that great so what I'm hearing is we're already probably doing quite a good job in terms of these transitions. I think we've come a long way. Mm. and i think we just have to keep working really hard at that and it's just really important that we remember that the key to all of this is not the school it's the child
0: yeah yeah i think so and i think that that's very fair so let's um i i let's talk about um childcare sector and mm. sort of like what's i suppose it's been in the news and the media really uh, recently because uh, number one i i guess it it isn't something that i'm very familiar with i don't i don't really know how child care is fine. i know it's not a public ser- service service uh, so i mean it's a public service mm-hmm. but it's it's not a public sector it's a private mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. business how, how, do you do you know about the history of how mm-hmm. the preschool yeah. sector kind of came to not be part of the education system
1: yeah it's complex and mm. um it all comes down to funding basically so you know one one of the main reasons, I suppose. Look, at, if you look at the eighties or nineties, very unregulated, you know, childcare regulations nineteen ninety six, and the, we began to see some formality there, and then amendments, and you know, in in the two thousands, you know, they're just Ireland just didn't have the money first. Mm. Firstly, but also we didn't have like other countries, we didn't have a huge need for formal childcare because of how we are culturally or how we were culturally in that most families had a parent, mainly the mother, Mm -hmm. stay at home. So there wasn't huge demand until we kind of began to move into, you know, the 1990s, 2000s, and then the economic boom. And then all of a sudden we had all this really big demand for for early years. And, you know, it, it started because women, and it was mainly women i think 95 96% of providers are women
0: yeah
1: noticed that there was there was um, a problem basically mm. um that there was a lack of childcare and they started to invest their money to open services um you know a lot of them would have started like as childminders in their own homes and then it developed and grew and some people invested heavily um, and i was one of those people and, you know, and that's how it basically formed. So it formed because the private sector met a need that was not being met by, mm-hmm. um, by the government. I mean, a bit similar to pre-1968 and the Donna O'Malley moment when all of a sudden overnight secondary school education became a public sector. And previous to that, it had been offered by mainly the religious orders. And mm. I always say this, that if it wasn't for, you know, the Dominicans and the presentations, etc., cetera, that most women in Ireland probably would have never received an education, you know. Certainly my mother's generation wouldn't have. Mm. So a bit like that, you know, except there was no Donna O'Malley moment for the early years sector. It never happened. And mm. here we are today where the government has at last recognized that this is a huge issue Mm. and not just a huge issue in ireland but when you mark us against the rest of europe we are at the lowest end of government investment so you know as you said it's in the media a lot now and rightly so Mm. there's lots of reasons that it's in 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 the media and that we're seeing a lot of it one is that there's a massive shortage of places so parents are beginning to say you know i cannot go back to work and again it's affecting women yeah
0: mainly. yeah i can't sure. go
1: back to work i'm having to take unpaid maternity paternity all of those different kinds of leave because i can't nobody will take a baby under a year you know and people say to me why is this and why is childcare so expensive for, for adults and it, it you know there's a really really easy answer and it's because of lack of government investment mm-hmm. and if government did not invest in primary school or in secondary school in the same way as they are not investing in the earlier sector, it would be costing us money to send, well, you know, some people would say it is costing us money, but it would be costing us thousands to send our children to primary school. Absolutely. School. Yeah, it's a yeah, lack of
0: yeah. investment. Yeah, I mean, I, I was struck because I, when I was chatting um, to uh, childcare providers on, uh, online, that I was struck by, you know, that, that idea of how so many people have invested their own uh, money into into the sector to provide a, 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 a to provide it. my my argument uh, and I assume I'm not alone in this would be that it should just become a public sector and the argument back um, was well if they want to buy out my 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 premises you know go for it and I was struck by the by the 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 um, analogies between that between what's happening at primary level with the with the churches who also own pretty much all of the buildings and they're probably saying the same thing well if you want it to be a public sector you know well you know, yeah. by, by our land, and the difference, though, I think, is, is that there's there's definitely altruism. Um, in the early years, this wasn't done because you wanted to you know particularly have any control over the children once they left uh the the early year sector um whereas it could be argued that 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 there there was the get them young kind of attitude from the the church was an advantage yeah yeah, uh it was an advantage to providing education to to young people Uh, which is fair enough i mean gosh you know that that that, that's that's how it works but that's uh but it's the, the similarities are very interesting and are we walking ourselves into a 21st century version of what happened in the, the 1920s and 1930s where the, the, the church has basically said, you know what, look, we have, these, uh, we have all this land and we, we, can, we will provide, if, you, if, the gov- if the state provide us with some money, we'll provide a service. And does it look like that's probably what's going to happen, that the government are going to essentially tell you all what you have to do and give you some of the money you know, in order to run it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then leave the owners
1: yeah I mean look at this is already happening so Mm. you know I am a preschool only up until the 1st of September this year when I'm becoming full daycare but for 20 years I have been a a preschool only opening term time three hours a day Mm. Um, so not unlike the primary school just a slightly shorter day since 2010 I have been 100% government funded so I am not allowed to charge fees of any description. Okay, um, I am one hundred percent government funded. In two thousand and ten, they brought in the free ECI year. Yes. Now they called it the free ECI year. Providers would say it might be free to parents, but it, uh, it, it it's it's provided free to them because providers are making up the difference. Sure. So when they brought that in in two thousand and ten, the capitation that they gave us per child was sixty four fifty per week. Wow now, now, twelve years later, the capitation they give us is €69 per week. Wow. So there has been, uh, there's no point in even talking about the increase. It's non-existent, really. And we are still expected to not charge fees for that service. Um, Wages have gone up. Everything has gone up. I spoke to one provider in Tala, funnily enough, who has two services and she's having to close one of the services because her rent per year is 50000 Gosh. In a community serve in a community center, they want yeah. a thousand euro a week offer,
0: and you can't do that with sixty, yeah, sixty odd euro a week. Per you child. just
1: can't do that with twenty, and and so we're told, we're told how many children we can have. The maximum children you can have is twenty two. You can't have mm-hmm. more than twenty two, regardless of the size of your room. You're told how many children. The ratio is one to eleven, mm-hmm. and then it drops to one to eight, and then it drops to one to six, depending on the age of the children. Sure. So, you know, legally, you can't open, obviously, if you're not in ratios. All of your staff have to have a minimum of level five. So if somebody rings in sick, you're really in a predicament there. Mm. Do you send home half of the children, Yeah. but you can't have less than, you can't have one person on the premises on their own. It's really, really, really problematic. So for 12 years, I have been fully government funded. I have no other way to generate income it yeah. doesn't exist for me but my costs have exponentially gone up they have risen dramatically um so there is new just just to put a positive spin on it yeah so that you understand that the, the european situation ireland currently invests some people say it's 0.2% of gdp i think it's closer to 0.3% of okay. gdp into the earlier sector yeah UNICEF recommend 1%. That's a nice. huge difference. That's nice. There are the good European countries, you know, yeah. who we consider to offer really good early years education. Some of them are are investing 1.3% of GDP into the sector. So you can see how in compare in comparison to some of the Scandinavian countries, we are a whole 1% behind. Now that might not sound like a lot, but when you look at it in in, in mm. the bigger picture, it's billions.
0: Huge. It's
1: billions, you know. Yeah. So we have this year under the, the, the current Minister for Children, who I think I you know, I'm I'm happy to say I think he is probably Roderick O'Gorman being one of our best ministers, if not the best minister. He does seem to understand and really is trying to make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So two hundred and twenty million has been invested this year um in order to increase wages for staff. Um and that's currently going through a a big process. So and incredible. I'm confident it's all going to happen in September. But <laughs> still bringing level five educators to 13 euro an hour.
0: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: That's what we're looking at.
0: It's shocking, isn't it?
1: Rising to 15, 50 if you're a graduate and you're a manager.
0: It's shocking. It's Which just basically
1: being you probably have 10 years experience.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. shocking. Yeah. I, I...
1: It's shocking. And the reality is now, you know, just to say, my staff who have been mi- mi- with me many, 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 many years mm. are already on more than than the re- the new proposed rates are suggesting yeah. because yeah. they've been with me for so long. But that's coming out of the profit, so yeah, the of profit course. Increasing it, which means I can't reinvest. I can't mm. put in that new floor that I looked at yesterday and went, "That floor is in crap condition." Yeah, I can't because I'm paying it to my staff, and rightly so. Yeah, but I shouldn't have that. I shouldn't have that battle. So what I would say is, and there's providers out there who would shoot me down for this, but I'm a small provider, right? I don't claim to be a big provider and to understand their, you know, somebody with 500 children and 100 staff. And that's a whole business thing Mm. that I don't even, can't even dream about. Sure. I don't think I'd want to, in fact. But I would be inclined to say either have a Donna O'Malley moment and take over the whole thing. Or fund us properly and let us do it because we have done a tremendously good job for twenty years. Absolutely. quality in the sector is amazing.
0: We it have is. Mm.
1: absolutely we have upskilled. We have done degrees. We've done masters. You know our CPD is constant and ongoing, and we do all this in our own time. Mm. You know and and out of our own pockets. Yeah. We get nothing for any of that. Absolutely nothing. You know the sector. I mean Anne Asher is one example of it. Is brilliant absolutely brilliant quality is fantastic and the envy of the rest of europe wow you know mm. the envy of. It. i mean if you look at even our our aim model access and inclusion model that we have yeah. for children with additional needs that's the envy of europe
0: is it it's it's you that's know? fascinating to me because i'm always and I'm, yeah and i'm always looking at, i look at aim as a kind of a why do we not have this model in our in, in primary education like i find that a uh, i This this is this could bring us into a tangent that could take us an hour, so we won't get into it. But yeah,
1: we won't like go there. Yeah.
0: How aim is seems so good at prime uh, pre pre mm. preschool level, and then a child is then dumped into a you know it's like everything they got in preschool is taken away, and after yeah. they go to flounder, uh, which is inevitably what happens in, in 99% of cases, I'd say. Yeah. but um, yes. I, it's it's interesting to know that it's 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 recognised as a as a good model, and and should you, and what we could learn from it. And I mean, I can also yes. only speak as like one dad, let's say, who's had one child through a preschool service. But I also from someone who's who who's uh, on the same site as a preschool service. And I just, I'm I'm in absolute awe of 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 uh, because I know the I know the pay, for example, is is awful compared to Shall what. I uh, People's doing a, a pretty much equal job, like, and, yeah. and um, you know, and, and the difference is, is astounding. So I, I'm going to ask you. I just want to ask you something because you mentioned you know that either you know do um make do a dun O'Malley thing and make it a public service or, or fund it properly. Like, would you? I mean, you're you're only one person, but do, would you get a feel that is that conversation happening? Do you think what would what do you think people would do, or would it be a very polarizing sort of um thing to happen
1: yeah I don't think the conversation is happening I think I think the conversation is happening among certain people who Mm. would like it to happen and it's a very idealistic view Um, I think there's a lot of people maybe in academia who see it as being of course this is the way we should go but you know they don't work in the sector on the ground so first of all it would take billions to do this Mm. and the government are not going to spend the billions and why would they when we're doing it for them cheaply
0: absolutely yeah
1: you know, so that's the first thing is 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 the money. The second thing is, and I and and well, there's several things, but, you know, again, we are. I am an early years teacher, and I'm a secondary school teacher, but I'm also a businesswoman, mm. and we are mainly women, and I'm extremely proud of my little business, and I have mm. seven wonderful teachers who work for me and there is pride in that Mm. and I did that and my investment over the years is over 200,000 sure you know and yes the government might buy it all off me and I might end up doing financially better but I'm not doing it for money anyway
0: yeah yeah
1: you know what I mean so there's a huge amount of pride in owning my own business and having something to hand over maybe to the next generation and my son is now joining the business so there Mm. is also that element of those of us who did embrace this and go into it we do have that bit of entrepreneurial skill about us, mm. and you know, as somebody who works in both spheres, if you like, you know, um, I don't know if I want to give that up. I yeah, mean,
0: it's it's very know. hard if you've got it, if you've got that sort of um, entrepreneurism yeah, within you.
1: Yeah, to, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how, how I about that.
0: Yeah, it's a hard yeah, thing. I,
1: it really. Is. And then the other thing is. You know, how would it work in a practical sense? And I think very often the primary school sector see us when they view us just as being those three hours of EKI. Mm. you know, but we do way more than that. Like earlier services are open from seven in the morning until seven at night, mm. offering part-time care, full-time care, after-school care. Yeah. And how would that all mix through and how would staff mix through and there's an it's it's complicated, but I'll tell you the one thing that won't work, and this is the problem in the sector, is that the government continuously make decisions on our behalf and yeah. don't bring us into the conversation. Yep. That and there's no it. point.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, and they're great to bring in the academics with the yeah. research. Yeah. You know, but you actually need to speak to us. Yeah. You know, it's the we're the ones around. who are doing it. Yeah. No, I own the, the building. I heat the building. I painted the building yesterday. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's con- it's not connected to my house, but it's next door to my house. I'm I'm one of the lucky ones who actually has a separate building,
0: right? And yes. a separate
1: car park and a separate garden. But so many of them are connected to people's homes.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know. So there's also an emotional tie there. So I don't think I don't see it coming down the road in a hurry.
0: No. No. I. 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 It, it's. 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 Like most things that have started in education, you wouldn't start from here. um if you're going to if you're going to design the system and it's how do we unravel what we've done if if that's desirable. so it's it's kind of interesting.
1: And maybe over time, Maybe over time. Yeah, Maybe, but it will take time.
0: It will take a lot of time. I, don't, I absolutely. I have one more question for you because yeah. uh, we're coming You've up been to the your hour ages. Hour. Oh my <laughs> goodness, we're
1: going to bore
0: people. <laughs> no, you are been asked. It, the thing that, that strikes me actually just before I ask my last questions is the similar. There's the, so many similarities. Uh, you know, with the challenges and, and and the opportunity in in preschool as we have in primary school, when you're saying things like yeah, us too, yeah, 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 you know that kind of thing, it's it's amazing. And um, maybe it isn't amazing. We're you know we're not we're not doing anything. We're, we're, we're really not in the same business in a way yeah. Though yeah. doing things slightly differently and all that mm-hmm. but i always ask every um, person on this uh, show to tell me what they would do if they were given the reins of the minister for education so you're not getting right uh, uh Rodri, Rodri gorman's job because he's doing a good enough job you're going to take on norma foley's job he's not doing a great job in my opinion but your 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 job would be to take the job off her and to Um, you have the power to do at least one thing um, and it would happen so if you were the minister for education what is it that you would do and it doesn't have to be related to early childhood by the way
1: Mm. okay I've only got one okay I think I'm probably going to come off this now and say oh that was a bad one
0: but (laughs) I'm going to go
1: with it because it's the first one that came to my head right I think I would make it compulsory that all junior and senior infant teachers have a degree in early childhood education
0: oh I like that yeah i i i like that and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be unusual isn't it isn't it true and i i may be wrong on this but i i trained in the u k and at some point in i in the training we had to divide into early early years or mm-hmm. I can't remember, I remember what the other one yeah. was, and it's the one I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: but, yeah um, <laughs> I know. I feel I know that feeling. I've forgotten most of what I did in college.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember the name of the course I did. That's terrible. Uh, but um, there was a separation. Whereas, is it um, true here that we don't yeah. we don't do that, do we?
1: No, we don't tend to. My understanding of primary school um, training is that it is very based around some of you know a lot of the older years, for example. Um, but there is that other route, and my daughter is hoping to start that now. She's already done one year in Maynooth, and now she's transferring into the degree in early childhood education, um, and that's four years, and then a two-year PME. So, mm. um, yeah, so that's the route she's going. And the reason she's taking that route is obviously she has, you know, she's been looking at us and what we do for 21 years, and um, she really does enjoy that age group but she wants to work in the public sector because from a career perspective, yeah. you know, she really specifically wants to work in junior and senior infants. And I think that is where I would make a slight dif- differentiation. I think, the, just to say, and it was something else that I was going I had written it down earlier on, I think junior and senior infant teachers need to have a degree in early childhood education, but I also think Norma Foley needs to introduce a PME Mm. for people with with a degree in early childhood education That's and i think maybe we need to have teachers who specialize in mm-hmm. infant education and sep- so i'm not sure i'm not sure if it's the same thing to be te- actually i know it's not it is not the same to teach sixth class as it is to teach ju- teach junior yeah. infants in fact it's more similar to teach first year and sixth class mm. than it is to teach sixth class and junior infants they are so far apart absolutely I think, Teachers who are teaching junior infants and senior infants need to have more knowledge about how children of that age group learn about their development, about learning through play. And I think, you know, that might be a way of us bridging that gap.
0: Yeah, I I, I, I fully agree with you. I mean, I, I, I we won't have time to talk about it, but I, I have a, 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 I'd, I'd love to see an, a, a kind of a model where if the sectors were to be combined, that actually we would get rid of, junior and senior infants from primary schools and yeah. have a whole early years zero to six kind of thing and then primary starts in first class like it does like in normal countries yeah <laughs> i mean after
1: the childcare regulations cover children zero to six yeah actually covers children zero to six why don't we just start primary school education in first class
0: yeah because it's the first class you know even the name would 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 sort of would sort of tell you all you need to know i think you're on uh, the same page Sunday. That's good. I, it, it's not. Well, it is often that happens sometimes when people get to talk to each other. That's often there's so many similarities. Yes. Well, final thing is where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do? And um, you'll hopefully will send me on the links to them after so we can put them in our but, show yeah. notes. Uh, where can people find you?
1: Yeah. So my, I suppose my main platform for my own work and if anybody's interested to see how um, a child led play based early years um, classroom if that's the right word, works, is my Instagram page. And that is Celine underscore teacher underscore teacher. And I will share the link with you. Um, Excuse me. And I do also then, of course, have the Twitter um, profile. And that's what I do with Paula Walsh, who is the digital educator. And that's um, ECE Quality Ireland. And that is a community of practice, basically, where providers, teachers, academics, people from all over Europe... Come together, and we discuss a different topic every Wednesday. And we also have our podcasts. So um, they are my two main platforms. And frankly, it's busy enough. I'm not having another one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get you. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much, Celine, uh, for coming thank you. on to this podcast and uh i was is absolutely the, the hour flew um yeah. and i i'm sure we could talk for another hour and and keep Go going ahead. going but uh it, it's a great um flavor for i, I mean I, my my audience here mainly primary school teachers mm-hmm. to hear what what the, the 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 similarities and and differences of the preschool service and and more similarities as one would i suppose uh, of hoped uh, between the two sectors, and uh, I, I thank you so much uh, for those of you who have forgotten that we all have Celine Garvin, who is an early years provider and podcaster working in County Meath. Thanks so much uh, for thank being you, on the Germany. show, Celine. Thank you. <laughs> great stuff so that is it for this week um, thank you so much for uh, those of you who are listening if you've enjoyed this podcast uh, we're on Google Podcasts Spotify Apple Podcasts all the rest of the gang and uh, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast if you can if you've enjoyed this episode also please review it and I'd, uh, that would be much appreciated so other people can find it more easy and that's it for this week so thanks so much for listening all the very best bye